Welcome to Inside the Pressure Cooker, where cooks and chefs share their stories of life inside the kitchen. It amazed me, you know, how chaotic it was, but everything was so in sync and, you know, just flowed, you know, amazingly. And I just, you know, found it amazing that we could just cook, you know, for a living, you know, so. I love to hear what got people into kitchens because we all started somewhere. Right. And it, it's not just fast food um, because that doesn't necessarily count. Um, but that first experience in, in a real kitchen where that shell shock kind of hits you and but you're in awe of the whole experience. And it's you're just amazed by its beauty um, and you're, you're just taken to it immediately. Um, I mean, it really is like almost like a drug where you're just like, oh shit, man. It's like, I need more of this. And that's pretty much what happened to Riley. Um, and, and, and I get it. Uh, and I know so many of you out there as well get that. So it's a pretty cool story to, uh, to hear from them. Keep listening. All right. We're here with Riley. Um, Riley, give me your 30 second elevator pitch. Who are you? Uh, chef Riley, I'm the garmagier chef for a casino for their banquets department. Uh, I specialize in watermelon carvings and fruit displays, charcuterie displays. Uh, father of four, and uh, and husband, and that's pretty much me summed up. All right, how old are you, kids? I have a almost eight year old. She'll be eight in a week, and then I have a five a two-year-old and a nine-month-old <laughs> so you've got your hands full yeah 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 things are very hectic <laughs> all right so tell me a little bit about uh what you're doing right now yeah with the casino the garmage i see How, how'd you get into that uh yeah so i just recently got promoted to that position uh, a couple weeks ago actually but i had uh Worked in our banquets department before out here and just kind of played around with that stuff a little bit. Just kind of, you know, making all of our fruit displays and stuff just a, you know, a little bit nicer looking and didn't ever really, wasn't ever really too much of a serious thought, but I always enjoyed doing it. So I kind of kept playing around with it. And then eventually we got some uh, different uh, executive directors and stuff in here and they uh, liked what they were seeing. So they decided to uh, go ahead and put me in that position full time and have them, that be my main focus. Nice. So how did you get into cooking in general? Uh, in high school, I started out in fast food, you know, like a lot of teenage kids do. I enjoyed cooking at home as a hobby, and, but didn't ever really think of it too much as a career. And then in my, I was about 2021, 20, I uh, had a job interview out here at the casino and was it was for a kitchen job and I would didn't really want to be in food and beverage but took the job anyways because after my probationary period I would be able to transfer to a different department and so that was the plan but got in the kitchen ended up falling in love with it yeah you know went to culinary school and just uh went from there you know started as a line cook and then it was only three or four months in they went ahead and promoted me to a a lead line cook and then after about two years two three years of doing that they promoted me to sous chef in the uh, cafe that i was working at at the time right on 
So what was that moment? Let's go back a little bit to when you just took the job and, and you were getting ready to, you wanted to transfer out, but you fell in love. Was there something specific that you can remember that that just said, hey, this is it? Um, I think part of it, a lot of it was, you know, just the, the chaos, you know, it was just, it amazed me, you know, how chaotic it was, but everything was so in sync and, you know, just flowed you know, amazingly. And I just, you know, found it amazing that we could just cook, you know, for a living, you know, so. No, I get it. There's, there's something, as I say, there, there's probably something addicting to yeah. the, the yeah, controlled definitely. chaos. You know, I, I, I've always known that, you know, I don't want to be sitting behind a desk or something like that, you know, that was uh, never something I could see myself doing. So I just kind of, you know, right on fell uh, right into the kitchen. And where did you go to school? Uh, I actually did uh, online courses through Escoffier. Okay, I've seen that. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. What did you think of that? Uh, it's pretty cool. You know, it's uh, obviously you know can't be as in depth as you know in person you know culinary school, but it's a lot of sure a lot of pictures and videos and very detailed descriptions of you know tastes and stuff like that. Like they, you know, there's a a whole chart that they provide you with of, you know, taste descriptions and stuff. So it's a, it's a pretty uh, interesting class, you know, or course, you know, they, uh, they have a menu class and a couple of business classes and stuff like that. So, you know, if you're not somewhere where you can actually, you know, go in person to a culinary school, you know, it's, it's the next best thing. Okay. So you would recommend it to someone else? Yeah. Yeah. If, if that's what, you know, if that's the way that they want to go, cause you know, obviously you don't have to go to culinary school, you know, it's not, that's not always the you know way people you know need to no. go to you know be you know amazing chefs you know i just uh i just wanted to do it to you know advance my knowledge and stuff a little bit more so yeah absolutely uh i think that's the biggest misconception about any kind of culinary school or education where people think they're coming out just going to be the next i don't know who they think they're going to be yeah but it's really just about establishing foundations to grow upon. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. So watermelon carvings, uh, you know, I see that quite a bit on your uh, social media and you kind of mentioned that a, a few times too. Um, so what got you into carving fruit? Yeah, like I said before, you know, I uh, was working in our banquet department and I don't even really remember how I came across, you know, seeing that stuff somewhere and being like, oh, that's what we, you know, need to start doing. And I just started playing around with it, you know, just doing basic flowers and basic designs and stuff and got to where I could do those fairly decently and then started, you know, doing business logos and stuff for uh, different companies that came through for banquets. And yeah, it just went from there. Um, you know, that's kind of my specialty now is doing like logos and wording and stuff like that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Because honestly, like when it comes to that, that garmanger side of things and, you know, it, it's so much more than just putting <laughs> meat and cheese on a plate, yeah. Um, which I think just is kind of what a lot of people associate it with, but there's, there's a whole art to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so it, when it comes to some of this watermelon or carvings, um, in, in some of the sculpture work, you know, that's, it's almost a lost art because a lot of uh, hotels and casinos and, well, I shouldn't say casinos, but hotels in general um, seem to be moving away from anything that what I would consider like time, I don't know, something that takes a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> I want yeah. Blake there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, and because we've, we've had, you know, garbage chefs out here before that did that stuff and they, you know, did away with the position and stuff. I'm curious, like, you know, what, what it was that you saw or found or 
um, or what part of the carvings that just said, man, I, this is fun. I enjoy this because my side, if it came to me, I would look at it and just be kind of like, oh, fuck me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so like what, what part of you was just like, hell yeah, let's do this and, and really got it kind of got into it because it's, you know, everything we do is very passion oriented. Right. So I think part of it's the fact that it, it, forces me to slow down <laughs> you know my my life is constantly go 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 you know work and four kids and all that so whenever i'm doing a carving you know it just forces me to just stop and that's all i'm focused on you know and when i get into it you know I, you know i put my headphones on and play some music and i just you know can you know go for several hours without ever even looking up you know so it just really it's almost like a, I get into like a zen mode or something whenever I'm doing it right it's almost like your own little meditation yeah yeah uh, what's the average time it takes to do a carving uh it just kind of depends on how intricate it is you know usually two to three hours what happens if you screwed up just <laughs> <laughs> That just depends on how bad I screw up, <laughs> you know. Uh, sometimes if it's right. just a, a little mistake, you know, I can I can work around it and figure out something to kind of, you know, hide it or make it, you know, blend in whatever, you know, where it's not really noticeable. But, I mean, there's been times where I've been, you know, three-fourths of the way through a carving and then, like, realized, oh, man, that's part, that part was uh, not supposed to be cut out and then, like, I got to start over because I can't fix that. So, <laughs> right. Right. So the next part you've, you've, you mentioned, uh, kind of offline here that you wanted to kind of start learning some ice carving. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the next venture. We're going to get, bring in some ice carving tools and bring in some blocks of ice and just kind of start playing around with it. Like I did, uh, watermelons and, uh, you know, see what I can do and try and, uh, you know, start doing that in house. Okay. This is a casino. I mean, do they, are they buying ice carvings right now? Uh, not, not like on a regular basis. Um, for some of our VIP, VIP events and stuff, they, uh, have brought in an ice carver and had them do some stuff, but it's not like on a regular basis. That's pretty few and far between, but having one, having one in house that can do it, you know, all of our uh, big events and stuff, we could sure. start, start making it a more regular thing. No, I get it. Um, yeah, it was ice carving as well. That's just one of those, there's not a lot of people out there that do that. Yeah. So something about a chainsaw and a block of ice that is always kind of, all right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only thing I'll have to get used to is just uh, working in the cold because I'm not a, uh, I'm not very cold friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure at a certain point you just, you get over that part. Yeah. 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 I'm sure it's, yeah. You get accustomed to it after a while. So. So what inspires you? Like what's. What, what what drives you every day to kind of go in and just be like, hell yeah, let's do this. Uh, so my, yeah, my biggest inspiration I'd have to say is definitely my wife and kids. You know, I mean, they, they want to make me be a better husband, dad, chef, you know, man all around. So, you know, I know that I got to get up every day and bust ass. So that way, you know, they'll have a good future ahead of them. Right on. Is there anything online, um, like food related or, things you've seen though you're just you you aspire to or chase after you know outside of the family uh yeah so you know i just i want to keep advancing in my uh you know uh chef career you know right now you know i'm obviously just kind of really getting into the uh garmagier stuff so you know i'm gonna 
do that for a while and try and really uh really become an expert on that stuff and then you know who knows where you know we'll go from there i plan on being at the at the casino probably for quite a while until my kids are out of school and stuff so i'm gonna be here a long time so you know there's always uh room for advancement here as far as you know moving into you know executive chef spots sure. and stuff like that yeah yeah no casino's not going anywhere yeah yeah <laughs> so everybody's kind of got that moment that they kind of questioned everything you know where you just kind of like what the hell am i doing what have i gotten myself into um you know have you had that moment have you had it yet um and if so is that that's something you want to share <laughs> oh man uh, you know almost every day i have that moment <laughs> no um it's uh there's definitely been times you know where you know working in you know been stuck in the cafe you know cooking burgers and chicken fried steak and stuff every single day you know and just non-stop tickets and i'm just like don't feel didn't feel like you know my career was really going anywhere and so I, you know i just see you know all these other positions in the casino you know car dealers and stuff like that that are you know working three four days a week and taking home twice as much if not more than i i was you know and it's just like you know man is this really what i want to do but you know i just uh just stuck through any of those moments and just knew that if i put up with you know all the bullshit and stuff it would uh start paying off and you know getting this uh garmage job position and stuff you know it's you know obviously kind of starting to pay off so definitely uh definitely happy i stuck through it yeah it definitely seems like you've kind of found your your little niche in the in the kitchen as well yeah yeah definitely so tell me about some of your vip events i mean you've kind of mentioned that whether it's ice carving and stuff like you know offline we were talking in uh <laughs> i said that the one shift that no one really talks about um, yeah, you so mentioned the VIP the, events. Yeah, so they have the uh, like renewal events for them, uh, which is just once a year. We have big VIP VIP events all through the year, but there's one they have one every October, and it's like the biggest event of the year. And it's it's two weekends: Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two weekends in a row, and it's like two two to four thousand people each weekend that we're doing these events for. And so it's just those two weeks are just brutal. Everybody is, you know, working six, seven days a week and working just stupid hours sometimes. And all these, you know, VIP people, you're in the events and they just, you know, they're, uh, I'm sure you probably know how some VIP people can be. <laughs> they're not always the easiest to deal with sometimes, but it's, uh, it's just a really grueling two weeks and they, the venue, the other venues in the casino, they, they get short staffed cause we have to pull them and the chefs from those venues to help with these events and stuff. And it's, it's just, uh, it's hectic. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't miss some of those events and no, it, it, it's funny. Like the VIP people, there's, there's two types of VIPs, one that are just kind of used to it. Uh, they're just kind of, it is what it is. And, they might have some awkward demands or, or, you know, high maintenance stuff, but for the most part, they're fairly chill. Yeah. And then you're going to have the other ones that it's probably the first time they've ever been considered a VIP. Yeah. Yeah. And so they go into it like, I'm going to abuse the fuck out of this. Yeah. You know, and they're just like, 
how far can I go with this? And it's just like, just don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, like sometimes I just, I don't, I don't understand. It's like, we're just, we're just here to, you know, make y'all happy and feed y'all and take care of y'all. You know, you could just treat everybody a little bit nicer, but, but I guess, uh, I guess if it weren't for those people, we wouldn't have jobs. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, those, uh, those VIP people, man, they, like you said, there's, there's the really awesome, really chill ones. And then you got that exact opposite of that. But, uh, at the end of the, at the, at the end of those events, you know, no matter how worn out and tired you are and stuff, you know, you always, you always feel really accomplished because, you know, you always pull off this awesome event that, you know, nobody, you know, none of the guests see behind the scenes and stuff, everything that's, you know, going wrong and, you know, the, all the craziness that happens before these events, you know, but, you know, always, you know, we always, they always go out smoothly and without a hitch and stuff. So it's, you know, it's, it's pretty magical. Uh, that's a great way to put it. Magical. Yeah. It was, I mean, you're spot on there because it's all the work and all the planning and then just day of it's kind of like, uh, you know, all that prep work you put into the big game and you're just executing, you're following through and it, you know, you're going to have the hiccups, but you've got all your planning done. So you, you've, uh, you're prepared for the, to call those audibles when you need yeah. them. Um, and then afterwards it's like, I mean, you're right. It's just magical because you just feel fantastic afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've never done events, uh, of that scale, especially back to back, but I know what it, when it comes to putting a large event together. Um, but I always remember the next day I was pretty much dead to the world. Yeah. Like I pretty much, you know, mentally I was just done. Yeah. I just didn't have anything left. I just woke up and it was just fucking mush. Yeah. Um, and it was just everything just kind of, I put everything into it and it was just going. And then I went to bed and everything shut off and I woke up and I was just like, nah, I, I need to do yeah. 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 We, we definitely, uh, after those, those two back to back weekends, everybody tries to take two, if not three days, if they can do it off, you know, that following week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can do yeah. it, because I mean, that's, that's a big ask for a large group of people. So your biggest concerns facing the industry today whether it's hotels, restaurants, you know, this is kind of a, a big question for a lot of people because post COVID things are different. Yeah, definitely. They're just, they're very different. Um, and there's some adapt adaptations, adaptions, um, audibles, we'll go with audibles. There's some audible audibles we've had to kind of call that, uh, have become kind of permanent. Um, and it's just, we're still kind of working through a lot of different things, but uh, it, what is your biggest concern? What do you see is this industry facing? That's just kind of like, you're like, Oh shit, how are we going to get through this is kind of a collective. Uh, yeah. So here locally, at least anyways, I definitely, one of our biggest concerns is just getting employees you know, um, people that actually want to be in a kitchen and not just take it as a job and then, you know, 
move on in six months. You know, we, uh, it's been a, a constant struggle since, you know, we reopened from COVID and that's, you know, going on like what, um, you know, almost two years now that we've been back open. So it's, uh, every, everywhere around here, all the, all the restaurants and stuff here locally are short staffed and even all of our restaurants in the casino are, uh, constantly short staffed. You know, our, uh, our banquets department right now, I mean, we're running with, um, like, like five people. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a struggle. Well, yeah. Because the guests and your people coming in expect they've got their expectations regardless of what you have available. Yeah. So, I mean, have you had to make some adjustments on menus and what you can do for them? Um, not really, you know, <laughs> uh, being at the casino, you know, re- no matter what we have, they have a, you know, expectation of our standards of what, uh, especially our banquets team is, uh, you know, to put out. And so, you know, when we need help, you know, the, uh, the other venues are good about lending us cooks and chefs and stuff to, to help us uh, execute things. So, you know, that's that's one awesome thing about being in a casino is, you know, that, it you know, you're not just the, it's not all on you, you know. You have a executive team behind you to help you out and you have, you know, multiple other venues that are, you know, that consider you all one team that, you know, will lend a hand when needed. I got you. Uh, that helps quite a bit, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Now, when it comes to staffing, like, what do you think it is with your specific situation near the casino that that struggles with staffing? And and I ask this because staffing is a very, uh, it, it's become a kind of a, a tricky question um, or concern because there's there's people that didn't want to come back to the restaurants um, or to, uh, whatever the hospitality will say. For, for a lot of reasons. A lot of cooks didn't want to come back just because of a lot of work, a lot of pay. And, and some cooks just found other jobs when things were closed and just never came back. Um, you know, some people say it was the toxic culture, which I, I don't know if I necessarily buy into that too much. Um, but what is it that you think it is that why people aren't coming back and has your hotel or have you guys done anything to try to address that? So, yeah, I think, um, at least for here anyways, you know, one of the hardest things about getting people to work in the kitchen is, you know, they see these other jobs that are available at the casinos, you know, car dealers and cage cashiers and stuff like that, that are, you know, only working three, four days a week and, you know, take home, you know, quite a bit more money. So they're like, well, you know, why would I want to? bust my ass, you know, five, six days a week, you know, you know, eight, 10, sometimes 12 more hours, you know, and take home shit for money when I could go, you know, learn how to deal cards for a few weeks and then work four days a week for, you know, probably less than eight hours and be taken home, you know, upwards of, you know, 80, $90,000 a year. So that's definitely one struggle that we have um, had here for sure. But the the casino, whenever we uh, reopened from COVID, they uh, they were offering you know 
higher on incentives like a you know 500 or a thousand dollar bonus i can't remember which one it was but you know they're offering on a you know higher on bonus and stuff for to try and get more associates into the f&b department right has your base pay increased since then not yours specifically but just kind of yeah i can't i can't remember if our you know the minimum minimum wage starting out here for the casino if it um if it raised it was either right before COVID happened or right after, but they did, you know, right around all the time, you know, the pandemic and stuff was happening, you know, they did, uh, they raised the base pay for cooks and stuff. So I think, I think starting out, it's like between 13 and $15 an hour right now, I think. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, pretty decent for, you know, starting out cook job, you know, definitely, definitely more than what I made whenever I started as a line cook. <laughs> No, I, I mean, even then, like I, when I started as a line cook a long time ago, um, you know, I was, man, I, I was probably nine, ten bucks an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think mine was. And, but that was, I mean, we're talking over 20 years ago. So the fact that we're only, yeah, the, the fact that after 20 years, it's only gone up five bucks to me, that's yeah. concerning. Yeah, right. And but I also, I mean, this is also something that I dealt with with my restaurants and the ownership group and trying to talk to them about pay rates. And it was just, man, it was kind of sad where where some of that was. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost like our uh, you know, cooks and stuff that's not really like we're looked down upon or anything, but almost, you know, like we don't it's almost like people don't think that working in a kitchen is so difficult that we should, you know, make a decent wage. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad where the cooks as a started out as kind of a I don't want to call it a profession. It wasn't necessarily a profession. The chefs were the profession. The cooks yeah. were kind of a a stopgap, if yeah. you will. It was just kind of a where people were they were cooking because they were just in between jobs or didn't have anything else. Um and so I think that's where the, the pay came from, maybe. But it's amazing how many people don't realize that it is such a learned skill that is incredibly valued just to, just to maintain your people and not have to continue to retrain people, you know, just for retention purposes. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and, and you see places like McDonald's and stuff like starting out at like $17 an hour, you know, some places now. And it's like, well, shit, you know, these guys are like, I can just go, you know, flip hamburgers and drop some fries in a fryer at McDonald's for more than what I'm making, you know, busting my ass on this hotline every day. So it's. That's hard to argue with. Right. Yeah. And, you know, some of them I'm like, well, you know, I honestly can't blame you you know you gotta gotta you know make a living so you know somewhere's gonna pay you more money for a you know what i would consider a you know easier job then you know why why wouldn't you in some cases mm -hmm. but that's yeah. yeah because a restaurant can consume you in a lot of ways and it's i mean can be kind of abusive <laughs> yeah. yeah you know not from you know abusive in the fact that you're you've got chefs and everybody yelling at you but it's just just the work itself, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize how, you know, laborious it is to, you know, 
be on a, you know, 90, 100 degree line every day. Oh, minimum. Yeah. And, and, but, and, and for those that really give a shit what they're doing when, when they don't get that recognition or when stuff starts coming back to them or they get treated kind of that, like they are that second person or the second rate citizen kind of thing in some places. I mean, it is just so demoralizing. Yeah. Um, where it's just, you know, and then all of a sudden they, they kind of, they go from that give a shit to, the, you know what, I'm just gonna, I, I could give a fuck. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunately, uh, I I've seen that and that's the last thing this restaurant industry needs. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, seen a lot of, uh, a lot of wasted potential, you know, I've seen a lot of line cooks that it's like, man, if you just would really, you know, work hard at it, you could be, you know, an amazing cook and an amazing chef someday, but they just, you know, their heart, their heart's not in it to, to want to do that. You know, we'll wrap this up with two questions. I ask everybody towards the end. All right. One tool that you cannot live without. Uh, I would definitely just have to say my, uh, my two and a half inch little tiny fruit carving knife. <laughs> it's uh it has done me well for lots of projects, so Okay. And then cookbooks. Whether it's professional per or not personal, but kind of at home. Um uh, what what do you go to? Whether it's um I do you read cookbooks? Um and yeah, I you know I read cookbooks. Uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say just, hey, but like, what's the ones you find yourself drawn to the most? Um, so pretty much anything to do with barbecuing. You know, obviously I'm you know in the you know northern part of the south, but I'm in the south enough that you know barbecue is a huge huge thing around us, and I've you know barbecued my entire life, and so I you know love you know reading different books about that um but uh one i'm a cookbook i'm currently uh it's not it's not even really a cookbook it's almost more of like a textbook from the cia that's uh the art of charcuterie because that's um trying to trying to start learning how to make all my own you know sausages and prosciuttos and stuff like that so that's kind of the one I've had my nose in lately. All right. So Riley, a new cook starting off, what would you tell him? Uh, you know, if you don't have kids and a family travel, try and work in, you know, as many kitchens as you can without floating around, you know, too much and screwing jobs over by leaving them too early. Uh, <laughs> but you know, learn as much as you can and, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the exactly the picture perfect person to be saying this, but stay healthy, you know, don't let the, uh, don't let the underbelly of the kitchen consume you, you know, try and try and eat right. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't do drugs, you know, cause that, uh, you'll definitely regret it later on in life. Now, when it comes to, like you mentioned, you know, don't drink on, you know, with the drugs. Like, I, I mean, that's almost so much of the restaurant culture, the, the cook culture. Why do you think that comes from? 
probably a lot of it's just because the job's so grueling sometimes, you know, got long hours and, you know, see a lot of guys, you know, need something to keep them up and awake going, you know, during the day and then need something to put you out quick at the end of the night, you know, you know, almost that, you know, and it's been, you know, glamorized and shit a little bit, you know, so it's, you know, they almost see it as a lot of guys, you know, kind of see it like, oh, it's that, you know, rock star lifestyle, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's definitely not worth it, you know, because, because we're not, we're, we're not rock stars, you know, we don't have the money to be, you know, <laughs> blowing on, on booze and drugs every day, you know, that's why, why bust your ass and earn that money for, you know, something that's gonna ruin your life later on. Yeah. And then also leave you broke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good words. All right, Riley. Well, I really appreciate your time today, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. And thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Pressure Cooker. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you on how we're doing. And lastly, if you'd like to be on the show, go to InsideThePressureCooker.com and fill out the form. It'll tell me a little bit about you, some of your story, and how it applies to the show. We'd love to hear from you and love to have you on the show.